Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Okay, good morning, everyone. This is the big day where my daughter gets married to a wonderful guy named Clark. We're looking forward to it. Uh, we're all getting ready, so I'm I'm bringing this to you pre-recorded. So be praying for us, please. A lot going on today. It's going to be exciting. I'll be able to share with you soon how everything went. But in the meantime, let's give our hearts over to the Lord. Uh, let's go ahead and pray and get into the word today. Father God, thank you for bringing us before your throne, allowing us to come and listen to your words that you gave us, God. Interesting, detailed, so many times, God, we initially we don't understand everything that's going on, but you can put these things into context. So we do ask God for your guidance as we look into these things in Jesus' name. All right. So let's do that. Let's see if he can show us exactly what's going on here. So Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev, he and his wife and all that belonged to him and a lot with him. Now Abraham was very rich with livestock in silver and in gold. He went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there formerly. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, and the land could not sustain them while dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Now the Canaanite and the Pizzarite were dwelling then in the land. So Abraham said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. And if to the right, then I will go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valleys of the Jordan that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go to Zoar, so Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward for all the land which you see, I will give it to you 
and to your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Then Abraham moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which is in Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. And it came about in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariah, king of Elisar, Cherolomeir, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goim, that they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and with Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shibna, king of Adma, and Shibaber, king of Zeboim, and the kings of Bela, that is Zoar. These came as allies to the valley of Sadim, that is salt. Twelve years they had served Chadaloamer, but the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Chadaloamer and the kings that were with him came and defeated Rephaim in Ashtaroth, Carnium, and Zizmim, in, in Ham, and in Amim, and Shevi, Kiriathim, and the Horites and their Mount Seir, as far as El Paran, which is by the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to in Mishpath, that is Kadesh, and conquered all the country of the Amalekites and also the Amorites who lived in Hazazon, Tamar, and the king of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Adma, and the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar, came out, and they arrayed for battle against them in the valley of Sedim against Chedorlaomer, king of Elam, and Tadal, king of Goim, and Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Ariak, king of Elisar. Four kings against five. Now the valley of Sedim was full of tar pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, and they fell into them. But those who survived fled to the hill country. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food supply and departed. They also took a lot, Abraham's nephew, and his possessions and departed, for he was living in Sodom. Then a fugitive came and told Abraham the Hebrew. Now he was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite brother of Eshkol, the brother of Aner. And these were allies with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he led out his trained men, born in his house. 318 were in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night. He and his servants and defeated them and pushed them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods. He also brought back his relatives, Lot with his possessions and also the women and the people. Then after his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God Most High. 
He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God, most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God, most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. He gave him a tenth of all. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours for fear. You would say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing except what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me, Anur, Eshkrol, Mamre. Let them take their share. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house of Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look towards the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to possess it. He said, O Lord God, tell me I know that I will possess it. So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat and a three-year-old ram and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Then he brought all of these to him and cut them in two and laid each half opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds. The birds of prey came down upon the carcasses, and Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You will be buried at a good old age, and then in the fourth generation they will return here, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete." It came about when the sun had set that it was very dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. Kenite, the Kenizzite, 
and the Cadmonite and the Hittite and the, the Pizzersite and the Rephaim and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Girgashite and the Jebusite. This is one of the most fascinating passages to teach on and to look at the details of typologically. And everything that's going on here is quite astounding. Abraham, remember, is called out there or the Chaldees to follow God. Makes a few mistakes. Doesn't believe God can really protect him. You know, he gets into a famine, realizes God can't provide him with food. So he thinks he goes down to Egypt, pretty much to fulfill prophecy. But there, you know, he stumbles in faith, lest his life be taken by Pharaoh, who's 80 years old. This is a fine-looking 80-year-old woman, by the way, uh, at least that. And so when they come back, he's given all these riches by Pharaoh. Uh, he's really just amazing how much wealth he gets from Pharaoh. And so he's got a lot of sheep. He's got a lot of herdsmen. He's got a lot of slaves. And he divides from Lot. And we see this whole situation again of the two types of people, those that are going to be looking out for their own way to go about their own life and please God and do what they want to do. That's Lot. He's looking towards Sodom. Hey, Sodom's got a lot of things happening over there. Big city, beautiful, all trimmed, all gardens and, and a lot of fun things. He says, I'll go that way. Abraham gives an offering to God before all this happens. He gives an offering to God later. He is looking for God's presence in his life and looking for God's will in his life. So God plainly shows him, just trust me. And he says, okay, I'll trust you. Let's Lot go where he wants to. And the guy says, now everything else is yours. I mean, he wasn't waiting and expecting that. He was like, what? Everything? North, south, east, west? It's all your, all mine? Yeah. How do I know? How can I be sure of all these things? And of course, he's thinking that God tells him that I'm going to, he first tells him, I'm going to make you as is thus of the earth. I'm going to multiply you. And he's thinking, well, it must be through my servant because I'm an old guy. My wife can't have kids. Okay, through my servant. It's not until he gets this understanding, he falls asleep and understands that God is going to make this incredible nation. He gets like more information that you'd, you would really want. Oh, you're going to be a great nation. You're going to go into slavery and into bondage for 400 years. And then you're going to come back and you're going to come back to this land. And you're going to be established here in this land that I am going to give you. And so he gets all this information and he realizes, wait a minute, God is saying, I'm going to have a son. My wife's going to have a son in our old age. And, and then we're going to be a nation. Everything's going to come naturally, miraculously through us. Then it says he believed in the Lord God. He believed by faith. This is when we see the faith of Abraham really beginning. Abraham believed God by faith. He's the father of faith, even though he's the father of the Jewish nation, which they tend to look back as being the father of the law. Even though it's pre-law, he's the father of faith. He's willing to trust God for something, many things impossible. Having a child, becoming a nation, <laughs> coming back out of slavery, reestablishing themselves, so many things. He is the father of many people that would be blessed. So the whole covenant and the God passing through, the torch passing through, the, the animals was simply a way that they did it in the East, in the Middle East, of, of, of creating a covenant. They would call it cutting a covenant. And what we know, understand through this is that normally both parties would pass through, walk together through the animals. And the idea was if you break the covenant, you're going to be like one of these dead animals. I mean, they were offering the blood to God to seal the deal. They were doing it before God for sure. 
but they're also taking it very seriously that we are agreeing to this. That it's just binding. You cannot change this. But in this situation, God causes Abraham to fall asleep, saying, I'm going to do all this myself. You're not going to have any part of this, Abraham. I am going to bless you. I'm going to do this. Because now that I see your faith, now that I see you believe me, this is what I'm going to do. And this is why it was credited to Abraham as righteousness, or what he did by faith. All right, continuing on with Matthew 5, just the first 26 verses. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to those who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court, and whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the supreme court, and whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother. 
and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way, so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Truly, I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last cent. There you go, Matthew 5. Um, <laughs> this is this is the pinnacle, we could say, of the Christian teaching of how we are to walk in Christ. We are to walk in love. We are to walk in gentleness. We are called according. We are called according to the God of grace to be offering up to Him sacrifices of praise, and we are are not to hold on to anger and bitterness. So what's interesting about this is we can already see that Jesus, in the beginning of His ministry, is already preparing His disciples to be His representatives on the earth when he was going to be resurrected and taken back into heaven because he says we are to be the light of the world. We are to be the ones to show forth his light. Now, he was in the world with his disciples, and you would think they might just say, well, well, Jesus, why don't you show the world your light? Why don't you? You're already drawing all men to yourself. Why don't we just bring them to you? Remember, they don't know at this point he's going to go to the cross. He, he's looking way past the cross, and, and they, they don't even have an understanding he's going to die and rise again. So he's showing them the future of their ministries in the church, that we are to be these people of integrity and to be those of kindness, and those who don't impugn our brothers and sisters, those who do, don't talk bad and, and hold a higher standard, even in our minds that we, uh, we go beyond the law. Our standard held in the New Testament is higher than law because it's not that we just cannot, we don't commit adultery. We don't think about adultery. We're supposed to keep training up our minds. We're supposed to control our thoughts and, and control our tongue. Let the Holy Spirit control us. And then in that, be a light to the world. This is a very, very uh, strong teaching that Jesus is giving here. But he's giving it in the most loving way and showing the people that this is what he wants us to do and what we're called to do and that we can do it through the Holy Spirit. And this is why we have to be careful with pop culture and Christian stars and Christian rock stars and on the internet with people that are supposedly Christians and have this um, kind of bad boy attitude and too cool attitude and people trashing other people on the internet. Christians trashing Christians on the internet. Uh, this is not something we're supposed to do. And people living in immoral lifestyles. We, Jesus says very clearly this you are not to do that. You're not even to think it. This is why it's important that we don't misrepresent ourselves to people and dress inappropriately and, and attitude and all these kind of things so that we don't cause others to, to fall in these areas. And why am I speaking? Oh, yeah. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> Forgot what I was saying. Let's go ahead and, let's go ahead and um, stop here for a second and Let's see if we can back this up a little bit. Got in my head of myself and see if we have something from Charles Spurgeon today. All right. Isaiah 41, 10. I will strengthen thee. When called to serve or to suffer, we take stock of our strength and we find it to be less than we thought and less than we need. 
but let not our heart sink within us while we have such a word as this to fall back upon, for it guarantees us all that we can possibly need. God has strength omnipotent. That strength he can communicate to us, and his promise is that he will do so. He will be the food of our souls and the health of our hearts, and thus he will give us strength. There is no telling how much power God can put into a man when divine strength comes. Human weakness is no more than a hindrance. Do we not remember seasons of labor and trial in which we received such special strength that we wondered at ourselves? In the midst of danger, we were calm. Under bereavement, we were resigned. In slander, we were self-contained. And in sickness, we were patient. The fact is that God gives unexpected strength. When unusual trials come upon us, we rise out of our feeble selves. Cowards play the man. Foolish ones have wisdom given them. And the silent receive in the selfsame hour what they shall speak. My own weakness makes me shrink, but God's promise makes me brave. Lord, strengthen me according to thy word. Father, that is a beautiful, a beautiful devotional. And we, we do cry out to you and say, do strengthen us, God. Help us in our moments of weakness in all aspects, God. May you be the one who is strong in and through us and for us. Thank you for going to battle for us. Thank you for bringing us out of difficult circumstances and, and giving us a peace that surpasses understanding in very difficult times, and especially the times we live in now. And I think of those that are just coming out of, of medical treatments and surgery and financial difficulties after coming out through COVID and now trying to regain, trying to reestablish their lives. Pray for strength for them and endurance and continuing, God, to focus in on what you want them to do. And for health, I pray for Madi Molina that you will com completely heal her body and eradicate that tumor and bring her back to to just a beautiful state of, of joy, being able to worship you. And thank you. Thank you for all those that have gone through it as well, that are still walking with you in joy and are uh, pressing on no matter what the situation was. And they're trusting you for continued health, continue to heal them and keep them healthy. And thank you, God, for those that are coming through financial distress and now being reestablished for those that need it. May you just reaffirm to them that you are the God that will provide for their every need. And God, we ask you to provide their needs. Provide their needs in these times where they need it. The jobs and the clothing and the food. God, bring it in. Help us to be sensitive in the church too. Those that, people that need things. I know I'm often the worst that don't realize it. I don't see it. I'm too preoccupied. So help us have our, our minds and hearts open. Bless Abby and Clark this day to have an abundance of joy. And may you just bid me a wonderful ceremony. and Everything goes super good, God, with no complications at all. Maybe a joyful celebration, God, as we bring two believers before you to then be a light and a testimony to the world of who you are and your love for the church. So thank you for this day, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. That will do it for us, guys. So thank you. And tomorrow, maybe, maybe I can be live. We'll see, but we'll, we'll get together one way or the other. So we'll see you then. Bye-bye.